Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. I'm going to read from Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 35. Jesus calms the storm. That day, when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is the word of the Lord. Morning, everyone. Lovely to have you here in the building and also joining us online. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please speak to us this morning. We come to you in expectation and longing to hear a word from you that will speak into our minds and into our hearts and into our lives. We pray that you would give us listening ears and supple hearts to change. We pray all this for the glory of the Lord Jesus. Amen. I wonder whether you've ever been frightened, genuinely frightened, by the natural world. Emily and I uh, both come from East Anglia, and uh, over the years we've grown to really love the North Sea. Um, We've been there on holiday from year to year. Now, most of the time, the North Sea is a fairly benevolent brown soup. Um, But from time to time, when the conditions are right, it starts to behave like a sort of raging frothing sea cauldron of brown soup. (laughs) And it has the added bonus of a shoreline of pebbles that will grind any unsuspecting limbs that come that way. 
Well, a couple of weeks back, uh, we took the ministry team uh, to the Suffolk Coast for a bit of time away, and it was one of those raging days, and we'd sort of been talking up beforehand that obviously if we go, we'll all go swimming, and so I just felt like it wouldn't be right or, or fun if we didn't at least attempt uh, to swim. Uh, not, I couldn't convince everyone, but uh, Hannah, Stu, and Sheridan were up for it, so, so in we dashed, or rather in I dashed. And, and the others just sort of stayed slightly behind me. Uh, unfortunately for them, they kind of half-dashed in, but then they stopped at what those who know that sea would call the danger zone. Uh, and that's the bit where um, the waves have already started to break, but you're kind of too deep, really, to withstand them. And, and there, Hannah, Sheridan, and Stu got caught. Uh, and they just got pummeled by wave after wave. And they sort of recover, step forward a bit, paff again, and go back. And, and there I was... Uh, out in the sea. It's lovely in here. Come in. Come in. And they looked at me with sort of disbelief uh, and kindness um, just before the next break. I hit them. Paff. That was a bit scary. In fact, once they did all come out and I realized the sea that I'd asked them into, it was even more scary because the troughs were big enough that I would often lose sight of all three of them and resurface a couple of kind of dips uh, later on to see only two of the three and wonder whether we'd lost one to you know, David Jones's locker or whether they were still just somewhere, just having a little bit of a swim. I wonder whether you have had an experience like that. Perhaps you've had something much worse, something, a life-threatening situation of cold or, or some hurricane winds or Jaws-style waves that kind of spin you around like a washing machine. The elements can be absolutely terrifying. But it's probably fair to say that for all of us, even the fiercest weather conditions have shaken us less than the storms of life more generally. If we think about that, perhaps our minds go back not that far to to the thick of the pandemic, going to work on the front line, perhaps without the proper protection, perhaps unclear what the actual risks were, perhaps deeply concerned what would happen to us if we got the virus. Or perhaps we think back to a time when uh, we were in desperate financial trouble, Perhaps we'd lost our job or, or something. We couldn't see how we were going to pay the next bill. Perhaps we think back to a, a terrifying diagnosis. Perhaps one of our kids really struggling. Of course, it may be that right now you feel like you're in the, in the thick of the storm right now. It's not a thing of the past. It's raging all around you. How are we as Christians to think about and respond to those kind of stormy circumstances? Well, we've got our final sermon in this series in Mark's Gospel uh, today, and it, we come to this well-known storm. And we have this extraordinary encounter that I think gives us enormous amount of comfort as those who follow Christ, the comfort of knowing Jesus who is able to calm the storm. And alongside that comfort, for all its familiarity, it, it's an account not without a few surprises as well. Because in this account, we see that the one who calms the storm also brings the storm. We'll have more of that in a moment. But my my main hope for this morning, my main aim, is that whether at this time Jesus seems to be calming your storms or indeed bringing them, you would feel encouraged to deepen your trust in him, the powerful, divine Lord of all. But let's begin with the first of those points. Trust 
the Lord who calms the storm. Trust the Lord who calms the storm. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we, gra- if we drown? And he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. In isolation, it is an extraordinary and frankly unbelievable account, isn't it? Then again, presumably, Mark had all sorts of eminently believable and also quite boring information about Jesus, which he didn't put, thankfully, in his gospel. What he got from, probably from Peter, one of the apostles, that he did put into his gospel is the stuff that didn't need to be land on the editing floor because it was so extraordinary. And he writes this, like he writes the rest of his gospel, expecting us to believe that these actual events happened. So the disciples were on the lake. Verse 36 tells us actually that there was more than one boat. So there, there were quite a few witnesses to this event. And there was a squall, a violent storm that came up. The boat that Jesus was in, uh, with its relatively low edges, like they all had for hauling fish nets over, began to ship water. And it seems that it got bad enough for some pretty experienced fishermen, because that's what, what some of the disciples were, to lose their cool. They said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? It must have been pretty bad. And with these words, and presumably a pretty soggy cushion that Jesus is sleeping on by now, Jesus suddenly is woken up. And then, this bizarre moment. He he stands up and he rebukes the wind, it says. Which means he tells it off. It's the kind of thing that those of us with six-year-old boys say very regularly and usually without very much impact. Quiet, be still. Only Jesus says it to the wind and the waves with astonishing impact. Complete calm, says Mark. Not even it would appear the kind of agitated waves that you get on the sea for some time after a storm like that has passed. Complete calm. Now, if this did happen, it is a mind-blowing event. But actually, it's more than just metaphysical fireworks, if you like. There's actually a very specific meaning to this event that we're supposed to pick up beyond the wow factor. If you've been with us uh, for a few weeks, you will have picked up how in these opening chapters of Mark's gospel, the writer keeps coming back to Jesus' identity. It's like the big question he wants us to wrestle with. Who is Jesus? As Peter so wonderfully set up for us earlier on. It may be worth asking ourselves that as we come to today. Who do you think? Who do you think Jesus is? Well, so far, if you follow Mark's gospel, and by the way, it's a a great gospel to read in a sitting. It doesn't take a long time. You could always go back and do so when you get home. Chapter 1, verse verse 1, Mark says, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And then throughout the gospel, he starts to sort of fill in the picture of that. So Jesus is the one who has God's authority to forgive sins. He's the one who has authority over evil, over the demons. He's the one who has authority over the law and so forth. Now, as we go through the gospel, there are all these little reminders every now and again that, by the way, you're not going to fully understand this until later on, down the end, when he, when he, when he dies on the cross. 
But still, take this next piece of information. And that's what we get in this moment. Here on the sea, on the lake, Jesus has authority over the natural world. You don't get much more raw natural power than stormy waters. And for the Jews who were not known for their seafaring, it would have been all the more so a frightening situation. It was a realm which, in their traditions, God alone could command. And those verses from Psalm 107, I'm sure, would have been familiar to many of them. For he, God, spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens, went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits' end. And then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Extraordinary verses, aren't they? Let me read them one more time. And when you hear the word Lord, think not Lord of heavens and earth, but Lord Jesus. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. The disciples at the end of this encounter with Jesus ask, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Do you see Psalm 107 gives us the answer? This is God. Jesus is the Lord, the same man with flesh and blood on the Galilean lake 2,000 years ago. He is the one. He is the Lord God Almighty who commands the winds and the waves and stills them with a whisper. So that is who Jesus is. Jesus is the one who calms the storm. But what are we to do with that? Well, we read on verse 40. Jesus says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? We, like the first disciples, are supposed to trust Jesus. We are to recognize that this one man who could bend the rules of the natural world and call a storm to order, he is equally able to calm and diffuse all the many and varied storms that we may find ourselves confronting. And that is a very great thing. Because actually the circumstances of life can be really quite stormy. Terrifying. We often feel not even vaguely in control. There are those uh, in our culture, particularly today, who would say that you know, if we dream hard enough and we work hard enough, actually we can achieve whatever we like. And you know, the world is our oyster. Most of us who've been around the block a couple of times recognize that's not really how life is. There are great and worrying things that happen around us that we have no sense of control over at all. But if we follow Christ, if we know Christ, we know the one who holds that whole world in which we live in his powerful hands. And so we can trust him, trust the one who calms the storm. And trusting him, experience release from our fears. So that's the first thing. Trust the Lord who calms the storm. But second, trust the Lord who brings the storm. 
Now, you didn't hear that wrong. I didn't mean that. Trust the Lord who brings the storm. So I think when we read this story carefully, we find ourselves in perhaps less familiar, though no less biblical, territory. Because the trouble with what we've said so far is, whilst it's true, it leaves a couple of stones unturned. I mean, step back from the story for a moment. You don't have to be a massive cynic to see that the story could have taken a somewhat smoother and safer path while still keeping the disciples well and alive. I mean, think about it. Could not the same Jesus who had the power to still the storm with a word, could he not have anticipated the storm coming? And then perhaps he could have said to his band of fishermen, look, guys, we probably do need to cross the, the lake. Tell you what, why don't we just leave it for four hours? Because there's going to be a storm coming. It's probably going to sink our boat. And then when that's gone, then we'll go over. They would have got there significantly less stressed and significantly drier as well. But when we look at the story more closely, we realize there's hints all over the place that Jesus actually deliberately leads them into the storm. The first verse. Says that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. It was Jesus' idea to get in the boats. And then there's a very, very peculiar bit with him sleeping. Um, if you have children and you've read to them this particular story, this is always the hardest bit to really understand. <laughs> Because the, the kids' books have these whopping great waves with the boat sort of at 45 degrees. And all the disciples are going, ah, oh, this is terrible. And Jesus is just sleeping. It just seems a bit odd, doesn't it? These fishermen panicking about their sinking boat and their carpenter master asleep. It's almost like Jesus intended for them not only to find themselves in the storm, but to find themselves in the storm in which it felt like Jesus was rather absent. Verse 38. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? What is Jesus doing? Well, I think his purpose comes out as we read on. Verse 40. He says to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Through this encounter, Jesus seems to want to, have, to give them faith. He cares about their safety, certainly. But even more, it seems, he cares about them trusting him. And as he brings the storm, as he puts them in this really terrifying situation, they come to depend on him in a new way that perhaps that they'd never known before. And in that sense, Jesus not only brings the calm, he also brings the storm. So let's think back to perhaps the storms that we're experiencing at the moment. I wonder what that new perspective would bring to those situations. How might Jesus be drawing you and me onto greater trust in him through it? Now I realize it's a very challenging question. Storms are stormy. For every Christian, there will be stormy times where God, frankly, comp appears completely inactive. And frankly, all we feel in ourselves is, teacher, don't you care if we drown? We feel like we're drowning and we feel like God doesn't care. But in those moments, there is an opportunity also to trust, to believe again that, yes, he does care. 
And that as long as he is with us, whether in the storm or in the calm, we have what we need. Donald English, in in his commentary, puts it really nicely. He says, For the disciple, it should be enough to be with the Lord, whether life sees are running smoothly or not. Forms of Christianity which encourage and promise a life of continual success, excitement and growth will not only lead to frustration and despair, they actually point the disciple towards the wrong goal in Christian pilgrimage. It is enough that Christ goes with us on our journey. We do not judge his care for us, nor the state of our discipleship, by the roughness of the seas over which we sail. We rejoice in the Lord, if not in our current circumstances. So I think in the same way that we're called to trust the, the Lord who calms the storm, we're called to trust the Lord who brings the storm. But I don't want to finish this point without just one last look at our passage. There's one little more surprise. One more way in which Jesus brings the storm. And it's there in that last verse. Mark chapter 4 verse 41. It says the disciples were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Have you ever thought it's quite a strange way to finish a story That's supposed to set our minds at rest, isn't it? It says they were terrified. The weather had calmed down, but the storm had just moved. And it was now in the hearts and minds of the disciples. They were afraid. And what were they afraid of? Well, I think they were afraid of Jesus. Who can blame them? They've seen him just do this extraordinary thing. And they are filled with awe. Perhaps you've never thought much about Jesus and who he is. Whether you've you come to church for a long time or perhaps you've only very recently set foot inside one. Perhaps today may even be the first time where you've really begun to think about Jesus himself, the one for whom all this exists. And as you've looked at him, you've got a hint of this massive power and authority And perhaps you too have begun to feel a little frightened. Who is this man? What what might he mean for my life? Is he going to change it? If I come into contact with him, how might it change? What's that going to do for me and my circumstances? And in that sense, Jesus may be bringing the storm this morning into your life. Let me say, if that's where you are, I'd love to encourage you. Yes, it is true that the Lord Jesus is more powerful than we imagine. But as we read on in Mark's gospel, and I'd love to encourage you again to do that if you'd like, we also discover that he is more loving than we could possibly imagine. And he demonstrates that so powerfully by his death for us on the cross. The one who can calm every storm, the one who brings us through storms, is also the one who has our eternity in his hands. And so to borrow and close with an image from C.S. Lewis, we find ourselves in the company of a lion. A lion, but the kindest lion that has ever been known. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. 
can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Thank you.